Hello and welcome to the 401 Podcast with Kevin McNamara on Kevin Mac Sports. Uh, really pleased to have everyone joining in on the podcast and uh, really excited to have a great guest, uh, Joe McDonald, my old friend uh, from Rhode Island. Uh, he's followed the NHL and the Boston Bruins for the better part of 20 years. And uh, he's a hockey guy. You know, there's certain guys, they're baseball guys, they're hockey guys. Uh, we're going to touch a few bases with Joe, but uh, I, I, I know of no one better to talk Boston Bruins hockey than Joe McDonald. And it's a different day because the Bruins season ended last night with a 3-2, two-overtime loss to the Tampa Bay Lightning. But first of all, Joe, uh, really appreciate you joining me on the podcast. No, absolutely, Kev. This is going to be great. Uh, appreciate you having me on. So, uh, Joe, first of all, it's it's funny. People stop me you know, throughout the summer and say, uh, if you're a hockey guy, this is a, a nirvana with the bubble up in Canada. Uh, the Bruins have been up in Toronto for the better part of six weeks, two months, uh, knocking out uh, uh, their playoff action. Uh, Joe, what have you thought about just the way the NHL has looked uh, on, on TV and in the bubble? You know, going back, Kevin, to, to March 12th when you know, the NHL and, and most of uh, the world actually just kind of shut down and, and hit the pause button because of this pandemic, uh, it was uh, all the people in, in the hockey world that I'm associated with were all trying to figure out, all right, well, how can they resume the season? And, and when they do, what will it look like? And the NHL got it right. They really did. And, you know, starting with the qualifying round and the, and the round-robin series and, and the teams that were involved and the way it was broadcast was really, if you're a hockey fan and you are still working from home, which a lot of us, you know, have been, then you can sit there and you could you could watch hockey all day long and you, and you still can. I mean, even though they're they're getting into the conference finals at this point, but uh, you know you have to give the NHL and uh, even NBC a, a lot of credit for the way they broadcast the games and the and the way they stretched out the schedule and, and even the little things, uh, even like covering the seats with some signage, like so you weren't looking at empty seats, um, like that that goes a long way and. I just think that, you know, even with the little crowd noise that they pumped in and, and actually having even Rhode Island's own Brian Boucher actually on site in Toronto right. uh, between the glass, that added a lot as well. So uh, was it perfect? No. But given the situation, and this is the other thing you have to remember, Kev, is that they have gone nearly six weeks without a positive test. So the bubble has worked for the NHL and maybe some of the other leagues, and maybe even at the college level, can maybe take a page out of what the NHL has done, because so far it has worked. And, you know, watching on TV, it's a little, it's a little different, because you, you might seem like you're actually you're there, and, but for the players involved, it's a little different, because there are no fans. But uh, overall, given everything that's happened, Kevin, I've been pretty impressed with the product. No, I'm with you, Joe. You're hitting a lot of points there that I want to follow up on. Uh, one is the bubble. Uh, health-wise, it's been perfect, which is amazing. And the NBA, as you said, uh, same thing. They've been down at Disney. Uh, how surprised are you at that? I mean, I know it's, you know, you, you haven't been in the bubble. I haven't been in the bubble. Uh, I'm sure you've read dispatches from uh, writers who have been in the bubble. Uh, but I still expected someone to cross paths with a hotel worker, uh someone sitting outside, you know, having a cigarette. I mean, it's not as if they don't see anybody who's not bubblicious. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. I like that, Kevin. Yeah. You know, I've talked to a lot of people 
uh, in the hockey world that have been involved uh, in the bubble and, you know, players, coaches, management over the last two months. And at least in the hockey world, the, the one thing that, that – and, and this is typical hockey, right? The one thing that everybody keeps telling me or some of the people that I've talked to keep telling me is that we have two things. We have hockey and plenty of it, and we've got beer. <laughs> so <laughs> if they're going to be in a bubble, those are the two things. Of, of course, a lot of these guys would probably want their families involved, but uh, given the situation and what's at stake with the Stanley Cup, um, they've really, the NHL at least, has really made it as comfortable as possible for these guys. Uh, look, again, it's not perfect. I'm sure these guys are going, you know, stir crazy a little bit given the, the surroundings, but. Uh, you know, at least with hockey players, when the Stanley Cup is on the line, and they're going to do everything they can to abide by the rules and make sure that they do it right. And so far, they have. And you know, they've kept these guys busy as far as uh, they're they're able to get out and and play golf a little bit, uh, which you know, as both you and I know, can really help the mental aspect of uh, of everyone's well-being. Um, so, yeah, I have. I've been really impressed with everything that they've done. And, and everyone I've talked to, again, with the exception of, you know, missing their families, um, that's the NHL has, has done it right. Sure. Uh, the golf bubble, I didn't realize that. That's even uh, it's even more intriguing. So uh, l- l- let's revert back to the Bruins. Uh, as you know, you're aware of, had the NHL's best record uh, in the regular season before things were stopped in March. Uh, coming off a Game 7 Stanley Cup loss last year. I think we all knew that the Bruins certainly had what it took uh, to get back to a Stanley Cup final. How difficult was it to stop the season and restart for the Bruins in retrospect? Well, there's, there's going to be two, you know, two arguments here, Kevin, or two discussions, is that people will look at how well the Bruins are playing on March 12th. They had all the momentum. Okay, they had only 12 games remaining in the regular season, so they were they were sprinting into the playoffs. And as as you know, that's what you want from a team. Uh, they want to be playing their best going into the postseason, and the Bruins appeared to be doing as such. Uh, now the other argument is, or the discussion is, well, if this pandemic didn't happen, then they would have had a, a great chance of winning the Stanley Cup. And sure, that's possible, but you can't blame this this pause, this pandemic, on the reason why the Bruins are flying home from Toronto today, because every team was in the same boat, and they were in bubble, really, right? Right. <laughs> there were teams in Toronto, there were teams in Edmonton, and when, it, when you look at the Bruins and the way that they're built, that going into this type of playoff atmosphere, the younger core of this team that now is this seasons because of the Stanley Cup run, because of everything this, this organization has been through, and especially being under the leadership of that veteran core. So the younger players, in order for the Bruins to be successful, they needed to step up, and they just they couldn't do it against the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Tampa Bay Lightning, they have the, the veteran leadership. They've got the talent. They've got the depth. Uh, they've got the physicality. They've got the coaching. Uh, and the Bruins do as well. But when you look at, you break it down and you look at why the Bruins lost, it was certainly the 
distraction of their goalie opting out. I'm going to stop you right there, Joe. Uh, obviously, that's the one news flash that took every hockey fan and certainly every Bruin fan by surprise when when Tuca opted out. How surprising was that? And uh, that's A. And B, uh, did you think right away that that door was totally shut and that he couldn't return uh, at some point in the Stanley Cup playoffs? Uh, just like you, Kevin, and every other hockey fan, I was surprised. Uh, given the, the comments that he had made a few days earlier about you know being difficult to play in front of no fans and that sort of thing, like, that kind of caught me off guard a little bit. But the one thing we know about Tuka is that he's honest, and he always speaks his mind. So I just kind of chalked it up to that. And then that Saturday morning uh, when the news broke that he decided to opt out, uh, yeah, I, I was shocked. And no doubt, even though Kevin – the Bruins players and management and ownership, even though they're saying all the right things, which they should, because I think this, this issue is a lot deeper than most people know, but I think it really, really took the wind out of, of this team's sails. Like, wow, we just lost one of our best players. And in order to win the Stanley Cup, you need goaltending. And, wow, we just lost our, our best goalie. So I think that no doubt had an effect in the room. Uh, I know it, I'm sure it had an effect on Coach Bruce Cassidy. I mean, here's a guy who was getting on the team bus at, you know, 8.55 in the morning for a noontime game, and uh, his boss calls him and says, where are you? And he says, what, I'm getting on the bus. Like, we, we're going to the rink. He's like, meet me back in the lobby. Goes back in the lobby, yeah, Tuca decided to opt out. Mm. So it's like, whoa, wow. like, really? You dropped me on this now? So it had an effect on, on everyone, and – Certainly when it comes to him returning, Kev, I mean, that, that's a great point because if it was a family emergency, which that's what, they're, that's what it is or what it was. That was the company line. Right. And without a doubt, like, we would all do the same thing, right? Okay, make sure that the family is okay. But once you get back and you realize, okay, yep, everyone's healthy, everything's good, then even even though he opted out, he could still have gone back. Now, at this point, because they lost, it's a moot point. He would have to quarantine, you know, the 14 days, but he could have returned the very next day, um, and he decided not to. So I've been asked a lot by my friends and other media members, you know, my thoughts uh, on Tuca. I would be shocked, Kevin, if he ever plays in the NHL again, not just for Boston. I, I just really believe that he's reached a point of his career that he's he's done. Really? How old would uh, would Tuka Rask be? So Tuka, uh, off the top of my head, I think he's, what, 32, 33? Okay, um, okay. And he's got one year left on his contract. And even before all this happened, Kev, I had said, you know, I said it, I wrote it, that once his contract expires, he's done. Like, he's, he's going to retire. And I think this whole thing uh, just maybe jump-started that process with him a little bit because if you're a teammate, and yes, you you want to make sure your family's and your friend's family and your teammate's family is healthy, but when everybody else is there and you opt out, and then when this season begins, the next season begins, say it begins in January, then, you know, December, January, and he walks into that room, like, there's going to be some bitter guys in there. You know, like, hey, you walked out on us. And, you know, so... I mean, from a, a salary cap standpoint, given everything, is, the landscape is going to change. I really don't know how Don Sweeney can can move that contract at this point. 
Um, but, yeah, Kevin, honestly, yeah. in my opinion, I would be shocked if Tuka ever played again. Well, it's interesting you say that. Uh, I won't drop any names here, but I, I knew someone who lived uh, in Boston in the same building as Tuka. And now that I think about it, it's a long time ago. I mean, it, it, he, this is as soon as he came up from Providence. So, you know, as you you know, uh, he was a great prospect and has been in the league. He probably made his debut as a young 20s. Uh, so he, when you've played for 10, 12 years, you've made a load of dough. And uh, I'm totally with you. He cannot be a Boston Bruin ever again. I, I, how can Patrice Bergeron, you know, the nicest guy on the team, uh, you know, wel- welcome someone uh, like him back? Uh, is he tradable if the Bruins eat some of the money? I, I would assume so because he still is one of the top five or six goaltenders in the league. But, uh, you know, the new team does have to question his his commitment. And, and you know, Joe, uh, what really stuck out to me was, uh, you know, the backup, Halak, is he's a backup because all you had to do is look at the other side of the ice. Uh, Andre Vasilevsky He's outstanding. I mean, that, that guy was outstanding throughout the entire series. And I understand, now I see why Tampa had the best record, you know, in the East last year. Uh, this was a series that probably should have uh, happened last year. Boston, you know, caught a break. Uh, but they ran up against, uh, I, I think, clearly a better team in this series. But uh, maybe from top to bottom, you know, one of the top teams in the NHL, a team that definitely can win the Cup. And, and they should. Uh, I really believe that Tampa, you know, will go on and, you, you, and win the cup. You like them over Vegas? I do. Okay. I do. I think they, especially now that they've they've beaten their rivalry, they've beaten the Bruins. Uh, you know, and I, I explained it to a baseball person recently. I said, it's like the Red Sox in '04. If they don't get past the Yankees, is it like did they really win the World Series? Right, and it's like it's almost the same thing. It's become that with the Bruins and, and the Lightning now is that there's such a rivalry, and the way that the uh, divisions and the conferences are set up, especially in the playoffs. I know it changed this year given the situation, but um, yeah, the, the NHL wants these two teams to play against each other every year to decide who's going either to the conference finals or or to the Stanley Cup final. And um, so, yeah, I, I I really believe that Tampa has every, all the pieces now. Kucherov getting hurt. You know, who knows if he's going to be ready for the conference finals, but that that's a huge issue for them if if he's not able to play. But to, to get back to the Bruins, though, Kev, with, with Tuca, I, I really believe that, you know, he has played a lot of hockey mm. since he first came up. You know, and you're talking he was thrust into the, into the job in 2010 when he really was the number one goalie in front of Tim Thomas. Um, and then he became the the all-time winningest goalie in franchise history. And and the one thing that that I kept saying was, how about this? So he's the backup under uh, under Tim Thomas in 11 when they win the cup. In 13 against the Blackhawks, he couldn't get the job done. Last year, if they win Game Seven, then he's the Conn Smythe winner, right? Without a doubt, he's a he's a playoff MVP. But now he opts out and. What if the Bruins were to go on and win with Halak? Yeah. I mean, what kind of disappointing career would that be? Sure. That he opts out and then they end up winning. But here's the other thing, though, Kevin, is that I think it was it was a telltale sign by the organization that they quickly sign the goalie, Daniel Vladar, who, who's the big prospect, who I think is going to, without a doubt, replace him, sign him to a three-year deal like that. 
I noticed that. And that that was true. That was that was truly within days of uh, of of Tuker leaving. Correct. Yep. Yep. It was two days. So he left on a Saturday. So Monday, that Monday, I believe it was that Monday, they announced the, the three-year deal for Vladar. And uh, talking to a lot of people, you know, in the hockey world, they really think that this kid has the ability to to be a high-caliber uh, goaltender in the NHL for a long time. And, and that's why the Bruins said, okay. So, yeah, I would be shocked, not only if he plays in Boston, if Tuca plays in Boston, I, I really don't think he's he's ever going to play again. I think he's done. So our uh, good friend and uh, compatriot uh, Yanni Caracas uh, had me on Talking Bruins the other night, which is very scary, by the way. <laughs> and his line was, uh, you know, will we consider this team kind of like the Celtics of uh, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, Rondo, uh, knocked on the door multiple times, only won one title cup uh, in, in this circumstance. Because if you look at some, you know, really, you know, all-time great Bruins, you know, certainly some even Hall of Fame level guys, when you talk about Bergeron, you talk about Chara, uh, Brad Marchand is well on his way. You know, a lot of very good players. Uh, but is this it for this group? And I guess the, you can start with uh, with Big Z, who clearly is a shell of himself uh, at the end of this. Maybe just maybe the pandemic hurt an older player like that more because he had to stay in shape. Uh, you know, we all know he's an unbelievable shape, but uh, it, it's it's a long, super long year uh, this year, and uh, it clearly showed with the big guy. And when this whole thing started, Kevin, I actually thought and that this is this pause in the season is actually going to be very good for Chara. Because he's played so much hockey, you know, over a, his 14 years in Boston, and what he's going to do is, is that, you know, he's going to be able to still work out. He can't replicate being on the ice, but he's going to stay in shape, as you mentioned. Like he's a beast when it comes to working out. And given the rest that you know, when he comes back, this is going to be a good thing. It's actually going to rejuvenate, you know, the the latter stages of his career a little bit. However, that was not the case. Um, he he was slow. Uh, he was getting beat a lot. Uh, a lot of it had to do with probably because, you know, they rely on him in, in big minutes. And he was playing a lot of minutes with, along with, you know, his defense partner, Charlie McAvoy, because you need Charlie McAvoy on the ice. Um, so one thing we, we do know about Char is that he's a very proud guy. And prior to all of this happening, uh, he had said that he has no intentions of retiring. He still wants to continue to play. He's going to go on a year-to-year basis. That's what he's done for the last couple of years with the Bruins. He signs a one-year deal, uh, incentive-laden contract. And so moving forward, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was odd watching the game last night. And Doc Emmerich, who is one of the genuine men of all time, such a treat, such a treat you know, to listen to. You know, I put Paul Kenyon in that same. For everybody in Rhode Island, and everybody knows, remembers Paul, and you know, working with us at the Journal, and and Paul and, and Doc Emmerich to me are very similar people. They just care about people. Uh, so it was it was a little odd to me last night that as soon as that game was over, Doc had a great line. He says, "I hope you fans don't mind that I switch from hockey to humanity." Hmm. And they had this big. The camera was on Chara, and and Doc just kept talking about what type of person and human being Chara is, and they follow him off the ice, and maybe this is his. So for him to, it was almost like he, he had that ready to go. Right. So that kind of shocked me a little bit. But, if look, if there's one guy 
that can actually come back and surprise a lot of people, at least to have the motivation to do it, it's Zidane O'Chara. So I, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if he signs another one-year deal with the Bruins and he can figure out you know, he wants to go out on his own terms and not the way that it happened last night in Toronto. So the Bruins are gone. Tuca is gone. Maybe Zidane O'Chara uh, is gone. That, that's all, you know, disappointing. But, Joe, the fours is gone. I mean, for anyone who has been to the TD Garden, uh, the Fours has been the home of sports fans, mainly Bruins and Celtics fans, for over 20 years. It's actually, when I read 20 years, I, I would, you could have told me 40 years. Um, it, 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 uh, Joe has spent more time in there than myself uh, because of his uh, long association with the Bruins. But, uh, Joe, j- just... Just give me a little riff on the fours, and then uh, we can start to cry together. Yeah, well, you know what? I wish uh, we could be sitting there at the uh, at the bar right now, having a having a pint, Kevin. But uh, someone, uh, I still stand in touch with a lot of you know, the, whether it was the the manager or, or a few of the bartenders here during this whole uh, pandemic, and just checking in on them, and they give me updates about yeah, we're going to open for takeout only, and then they were going to open for you know curbside, and then they were going to have some tables outside. So. It was good, like okay, like but you know the fact of the matter is that neighborhood, as you know, it's it's based on all the events at, at TD Garden, and when you know the building is black, then unfortunately, or is dark, you know, unfortunately, um, you know the the neighborhood suffers for that, and the restaurants and bars, and and that was the deal with with the fours, and a friend of mine sent me a text the other night telling me the bad news, and and I just couldn't believe it. Yeah, you know? and, uh, I just. Like, so it, the best thing about the fours, at least from from our standpoint, you know, after a game, we've got a couple of hours before we're done writing and doing everything else we need to do, and and I would always get over there, and the door would always be locked. But the best thing about the fours, and this was a secret I never gave away, and maybe I told a couple, I might even told you. I know, I'm, I'm sure I told. You. I, I I've snuck in there. Yeah, there's a doorbell that is up above the door jam. And it was always painted black. And if you knew where the doorbell was and it rang in back, then they knew that, hey, this is a local. This is somebody that we want in here. And after a Bruins game, right around, you know, 12.30, 12.45, they would be cleaning up, ready to call it a night. And that doorbell would ring and people inside would always tell me, "Up, oh, somebody open up the door for Joey Mack. He's finally here. <laughs> So I said, uh, I, I said, oh, maybe they'll give me that doorbell as a as a little uh, memento. Well, there was a great story in the Globe today or yesterday. I saw it online, and uh, back in the day, uh, Wayne Gretzky would stop in for a little chowder. Uh, Ray Bork, uh, as uh, anyone who follows hockey knows, the players usually have a pregame skate nine thirty, ten o'clock on a game game day, and some of them live in the neighborhood, so they go over to the Fours for a little lunch and. Uh, Ray Bork uh, was frequently there. He loved the chowder as well. Uh, Larry Bird, uh, there was a picture of Larry Bird and, and the wait staff uh, late night after Celtic games going in. So it, true Boston institution and, and a Boston sports bar. There's so many, you know, I call them fake sports bars, you know, because they have a few big TVs and a couple of pennants. Right. Well, no, this place had Larry Bird and Ray Bork. I mean, yeah. you yep. couldn't get more real than that. <laughs> That's true, and especially after a Bruins game, because hockey players are they're you know they're blue collar guys, and and whether it was you know the current players you know coming in to grab a quick bite to eat, 
you know, before heading home or the alumni, Bruins alumni were always in there. And, you know, when you walk in the door, there was that little step up uh, dining area to the right, and they would always put them up there. And, and fans loved it. And they could go, like, whether it was, you know, Andy Brickley or Bob Beers or Jerry Cheevers, uh, you know, Bob Sweeney, uh, you know, Rick Middleton, you know, all these guys would, you know, Barry Peterson, and, and they would all be up there just hanging, having a, a beer or having something to eat. Fans would go up, and they would oblige by taking a picture or signing an autograph. And it, it really was, you know, not to steal a line from Cheers, but it was really where, you know, everybody kind of knew your name. You walked in, and, and you were just friends. And it was just a, an awesome place. And whether it was going in there for lunch or, you know, a post-game libation, it's, uh, it's certainly going to be missed. And, and uh, you know, I haven't been, on, haven't been on Twitter a lot of late, but uh, I tweeted something out yesterday, and it took off. And, and I was getting texts from, you know, my friends who are uh, Canadian hockey writers, and, you know, they couldn't wait to come to Boston. Mm. They'd circle it on the calendar when the schedule came out because they couldn't wait to go have lunch at the fours and then, you know, head, head over there after a game and, you know, so it's uh, it's too bad. Unfortunately, it's just a sign of the times. Yeah, and I think it sounds like a, a vacancy uh, in sports fans' hearts that that will be met by someone or some place. Uh, that that garden area has really taken off, uh, become a little too highbrow for my liking. In all honesty, with the, with the big time residential buildings and some yeah. nice commercial space, and obviously we wish everybody well, uh, especially the uh, restaurants and bar owners and in every city in America, but especially Boston and here in Providence. Uh, Joe, I can do a hockey podcast. So there's no reason to talk about Celtics or Red Sox or anything else. Uh, it's 100% hockey, and uh, you're the guy. Really appreciate it, Joe. And I uh, don't know if I'm going to do another hockey podcast any anytime soon, but uh, you'll be back on the 401 podcast, I, I promise. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate the talk. That's Joe McDonald, longtime NHL writer, uh, Bruins follower, any Boston Bruins fan has followed Joe's work for literally 20 years and will continue to do so in the future. Uh, this 401 podcast will touch all the bases. Uh, I think everyone knows that I'm uh, uniquely dialed into college basketball. Can't wait for the college basketball season to return and hopefully an NCAA tournament to happen next spring. But uh, awful lot of friends around the sports world, whether it be uh, baseball, uh, heavy NFL football, looking forward to the Patriots uh, getting up and running soon. Uh, and the Boston Celtics uh, in the play, in their playoff run will be really entertaining as well. And uh, by the way, everyone knows that I play a little golf too, so we're bound to have a few golf guests as well. But thanks very much to listening to the 401 podcast. Uh, it can always be found at kevinmacksports.com.